0: Welcome back to Locked On Red Sox on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle, also known as the creator of Girl at the Game. And today's episode is part two of my interview with Nick Francona, former MLB executive and son of former Red Sox manager, Terry Francona.
1: I I think one of the things that people in, in Boston appreciate the most is authenticity. And I think their fans here are willing to embrace uh, like a variety of different personalities and styles, but they just don't want people to be completely full of shit, and they sniff that out in a second.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's always that's always what I say about Red Sox fans. I mean, I spent time living in LA, so I was around Dodgers fans, and I have friends in other fan bases, but I only can speak for the fan base I know the best, and that's my own. The thing I always say is you know, don't piss on our heads and tell us it's raining. Like Red Sox fans are super involved to an in-your-face way. I mean, someone at Sports Illustrated likened it to being in a piranha tank when you're in, you know, playing for the (laughs) Red Sox. And that's absolutely correct. But the thing is, if you endear yourselves to Red Sox Nation, we will love you unconditionally. I mean, look at David Ortiz. He has streets and bridges named after him, a gate at the airport. And in one of the mayoral elections, he finished third as a write-in candidate because he is so <laughs> beloved. It almost feels like even though ownership has owned this team for almost two decades now, that they've forgotten who they're dealing with. They're treating Red Sox fans as if they're stupid. And they're they're acting as if they don't know how Red Sox Nation operates. And that's, you know, if, if Verdugo had gotten up and said something about You know, he was very remorseful and he learned from it, anything along those lines. And then the Red Sox had just kind of given it time to settle and let him prove himself on the field. You know, people still might not love him, but they wouldn't be coming for him all over social media and coming for the Red Sox. And I'm not saying that the Red Sox don't deserve criticism because they do. But I just think it would have been better for everyone to just kind of let it be for a while. This off season was so painful for Red Sox fans. They lost so much, and to then have this on top of it to be treated this way, you know they're raising ticket prices, they're pushing people on fans they're they're acting so tone deaf it's like how much more are you going to put fans through? Like, and, and then, you know, <laughs> Sam Kennedy says that there's like a 15% drop in ticket sales. I'm surprised it's only
1: 15%. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I had like, I pay attention being up here, but I had like, had not, it, it, when you were kind of running down the list of, of things in the off season, like when you step back, you're like, wow, that's like taking an aggregate. That is some, some serious turmoil for, for a single off season.
0: I mean, they fired Dave Dombrowski during a Sunday night baseball game against the Yankees at Fenway. And ever since then, it's just been like one thing after another. And I understand, you know, the Red Sox won four championships in the last 15 years. And it's not like fans have a lot to complain about from that sense. But in terms of having, you know, one thing after another heaped on them, I think what people forget a lot is that fans are not their franchise. So the same way, you know, there are there are Astros fans who are very upset by not all of them, but there are Astros fans who are very upset by what their team did. And people attack them on Twitter when they they're not the ones who cheated and if and if they're not the ones being jerks about it, you're attacking the wrong person. And I understand that there's a misplaced aggression situation going on, you know, Dodgers fans feel like they were robbed and rightfully so. But Red Sox fans have every right to be upset because they have zero control over what's happening to their team. They're just along for the ride, and the driver just drove them off a cliff, and then somehow drove them off seven more cliffs. And it's like, well, what? We don't deserve this. We didn't do anything, you know.
1: I, I think what you're saying it, it, there there is an interesting dynamic that that I've noticed that's that's kind of taking more of a, a prevalent role in the last year or so especially this off season between the the minor league stuff the the getting the baseball correct the the cheating scandal all of these things like you've seen kind of a and it goes in a little a few different directions like you'll see that segment of the population where kind of fan bases will turn on each other and it gets like entrenched and pretty nasty but you also see this kind of like broader group where people kind of step back and i haven't seen that necessarily before to this degree where people are like genuinely concerned about the state of baseball as a whole, regardless of their, their fandom for individual teams. And I think that, I think that's valid. I mean, there's a, a lot of this, the things that that people look at that are like pretty serious issues across the game. And, and it's, it's not like, like, Oh, this thing happened. If you, if you look at like a, like the NBA, china episode that happened this fall like i would argue they, they've they been actually very transparent about this and kind of how they got into that situation and then but it kind of came upon them very quickly and and there was a, a media firestorm and a lot of follow-up from that and they paid a and are continuing to pay a significant cost for that and but that kind of came upon them seemingly like out of nowhere and I, again i would argue they probably could have they, they kind of made that bed a long time ago but if you look at the baseball stuff like it's just like it's incredibly deliberate and self-inflicted. Like all of these things, like were, were purely brought upon by themselves, and, and it's it's hard to have confidence in the way the, the league as a whole operates. And I think like people want to like they want to be like, look, like this isn't WWE. Like we 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 want to have some faith in like the competition and people that are like, like there needs to be a respect just like on a couple levels, like any business that just doesn't respect your paying customers, like you're not going to be around for a long time. I think that part's pretty obvious. And then especially with, with the thing like baseball and, and especially in Boston, like people like there should be an appreciation for people that are investing so much emotional, emotional energy into it. And you don't really get the the sense that they get that. It's like, you guys are, there's just arrogance to it, where it's like you guys are like lucky to follow us kind of thing. and and it's very detached and and that is super unhealthy in the long term,
0: absolutely. I mean, for starters, one of the biggest problems is that baseball both doesn't think it needs its fans and also kind of actually doesn't need its fans anymore because most teams are making so much money from these corporate sponsorships and TV deals that they truly don't care if their ballparks are empty.
1: Yeah. Great observation.
0: Because they, the, the ticket revenue is not where their money is coming from. And so it's just kind of a bonus. And the thing that kills me is, you know, the Red Sox go out and they say, you guys are the best fans in baseball. We wouldn't be anything without you. And it's all nonsense at this point, because if they actually cared about the fans, in a year in which they have put fans through so much they would say you know what we are we are a team that's valued at over 3 billion dollars we can afford to lower ticket prices we can give back to our fans we didn't want to pay mookie bets well we can give our fans you know some discounted ticket packages we can do something for the fans they have shown that they don't value fans over and over and over again and the thing that kills me is that at the end of the day, if we were all gone, it wouldn't matter to them
1: for now. well, anyway. I think I, so, Yeah. So I think that's like the important distinction in that. And it's definitely pictures, not like-
0: permanent because eventually, you know, if no one's there, then, you know, 20 years from now, there wouldn't be baseball because TV is not going to be the same for starters. You have all of these streaming, streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. So cable TV is not, cable tv is struggling but also at a certain point these deals wouldn't be as enticing to these tv providers because there are no fans of baseball so they're they're walking a very fine line of we want to make money now and they're not thinking about the long term at all because in the long term they're losing fans the mlb had its worst attendance in 16 years last year that's not a coincidence
1: no, and there's a uh, – right saying this right now w- would probably, like, come across as, like, the ultimate hot take and unpopular or counterintuitive type of opinion. But, like, I would argue that, like, everybody is taking – and baseball taking their victory lap on BAM and how, like, savvy and advanced that was. I would argue that, like, in short order, we're going to look at that as as something that was very detrimental to the long-term health of the game. And that, like, uh, on the one side, you can look at the technology, and, and there were some great stuff that happened there, but the the kind of like philosophy with with which like how it was implemented, and, and this idea of kind of putting walls up and trying to monetize everything in the short term, I, I think has done like the, the extreme damage to the to the long term health of, of baseball, and and I, I think it's Trevor Trevor Bowers used the term. Uh, kind of, he, he's coined it the missing generation of fans. And that's something that I, I think you, you're not, like you mentioned, you're not going to see that in the immediate future, but down the road, there's got to be a cost to people that are getting blacked out and aren't able to watch games that is going to come back to haunt them and haunt them in a very big way. And it's, it's alarming to see that there isn't a sense of urgency to address that, that they keep going in the wrong direction that's uh it's almost like it it's it's like people have a kind of like a dying business and trying to pilfer for as much as they can while while the going is still good and that that does not bode well for the future and and i think you see that with how they approach the minor leagues it's almost like it, it's it's like people have a kind of like a dying business and trying to pilfer for as much as they can while while the going is still good and that that does not bode well for the future And and I think you see that with how they approach the minor leagues with like contraction, if, if anything, like, even if you were taking like a really cynical view of it and purely in like, aside from like just trying to do the right thing, this idea that there's, you, you have a touch point in cities and towns all across the country that you don't have to play, pay players a lot of money. And they're, they're like at the grassroots level, building baseball fans for their entire life like forget the year-to-year balance sheet aspect of it look at like what is the value of a fan for like over the course of their lifetime and that's the way they need to view it because like when that goes away like that goes away for good and you see in the attitude that like when Rob Manfred is out there talking about this or in their letters to Congress or their statements that they've released there's a very condescending approach of We've told minor league baseball with the, the, this proposal with the dream league, and we've explained it to them. We're not taking teams away. Well, and then they, they resent the fact that it's, it's not being done in private and well, like that's the problem right there. Like if you actually had respect for your fans, you would be out there. It's on you publicly explain to the people in these towns, how this is going to work. You need to sell them on that. And, like, I, I think they would fundamentally disagree with that. And, and I I couldn't disagree with that approach more. Like, you – I think you – like, if you care about your fans, like, that's on you. You are the steward of baseball. Be out there explaining to them why this is a good idea, why this is going to work. And there hasn't even been the slightest effort to convince people of that.
0: No, not at all. MLB TV blacked out Blue Jays games for literally all <laughs> of Canada. So yeah. – okay you just blacked out an entire country
1: and, and it, 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 there's a um, there's a guy gary vaynerchuk who, who's yeah, like one of the more intelligent marketing minds around and he's talked about this stuff with baseball and and i would strongly recommend people check out kind of his comments on this because i think he really he's gets great. it such a different dynamic Compared to like how baseball approaches it and how the guy the guy is a baseball nut He talks about like how he would approach it and it's night and day different and I sat next to Gary on a on an airplane and we were talking about this uh, this topic a couple years ago and and Really like the way baseball should view it is like viewing their sport as a platform and encouraging people like whether it's you or people on Twitter or YouTube or any other platform people that are willing to like invest their time and efforts to to use your content to spread the game of baseball you should be enabling them rather than sending season assist letters and i think that's a very different approach to how like if you look at like the the nba how how they've approached things is they tend to take this view that what is good for basketball is good for the nba and and that comes from i think a, a confidence that Like, we are the best show in town in the world in terms of, uh, it. like, we're the best basketball league going. Like, that's fairly obvious. If basketball is growing around the world, that is eventually going to, like, filter up to us. It's kind of this, like, organic growth model of we want basketball to be strong throughout the world because that is inherently good for us. On the flip side, I think you see with Major League Baseball where they tend to take this approach where, if somebody is making money off of baseball that isn't major league baseball they're free riding and stealing from us and I, and they so they tend to suffocate and choke out growth in other places and I, and I, and that's where you see this model of like they view international growth as doing an event in london or playing a series in mexico and it's just not sustainable it it's very short term it doesn't take root Nothing actually grows. It, it and
0: it costs not, them a lot like, of money, too.
1: Yeah, it's it's just silly. And look at look at, look at how even look at like how they view it from the player side. Where, um, the, when my dad was with the Red Sox, they actually had there there was a like an issue with this. I think it, I think it was before the Japan series where they were talking about the the coaches weren't getting going to get paid. There was some some conflict over that, and so the players kind of had a minor protest, and and they got it worked out. But just this idea that like you're gonna comp- it's almost like compensating players and staff for like the inconvenience of doing that rather than like like actually like having them be invested in the in growing the game where you see like in basketball you saw a lot of the star players internationally do like really go go over to different countries and and try to grow the game and and we're like connecting the fans and we're really invested in that and in baseball like you don't see that because like. Like, why would they be? They're not treated as partners in that growth. There's this, there's this long history of mistrust on on both sides of players and, and owners, where they very much view it as this like this like pie where every dollar that the players get is coming directly out of the owner's pocket. So so they almost like blind themselves to this idea that like we can we can collaborate effectively together to to grow this for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think – I mean, first of all, the NBA is doing, like, everything right, and baseball's pretty much doing everything wrong. And it's kind of crazy because the NBA is right there setting a perfect example of how to grow the game and how to be successful. And you would think MLB would just want to do the same. But the thing – I mean,
1: can, can I jump in there on one, one thing? Yeah. Uh, comment on that is that, like, what's so – amazing about that is, and, it's, and it's so frustrating on the baseball side is so much of what they're doing is just getting out of the way like when you see with with the NBA like, it, it, like players drive the culture and drive the personality and, and there are, are fans that connect with the players that might not even be in their, their local market because you don't have this like suppression coming from the league level it's not about Adam Silver does a good job by not being like in everybody's shit and just like allowing allowing things to flow and and the more people are talking about uh, like Jason Tatum and not Adam Silver like that's a good thing and in baseball like we're talking about Rob Manfred a lot more than we're talking about Mike Trout or Rookie Best. <laughs>
0: That was part two of my interview with Nick Francona. Stay tuned for Thursday and Friday's episodes, which will be the concluding third and fourth parts of the interview. Thank you again to my guest, Nick Francona, who you can interact with on Twitter at Nick Francona. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at GFStar1, that's star with two Rs, and follow Locked On Red Sox at LORedSox. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, go Sox.